1: The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome back to another episode of the Career Contessa podcast, your shortcut to being more fulfilled, healthy, and successful at work. I'm your host, Lauren McGoodwin. The pandemic caused many of us to reevaluate where we live, our life goals, and our careers. For those who did choose to remain in their existing jobs, it's become a matter of how to do so as happily and as healthy as possible. Whether you work from home or go to an office daily, you're typically working for someone else. Your services, talents, skills, and knowledge are being exchanged for money, and that means meeting expectations. It also entails dealing with daily triggers that frustrate us. According to Dr. Haley Perlis, a performance psychologist, these triggers build up stress, which may negatively impact our personal relationships and physical health. Today, Dr. Perlis will share the seven biggest work triggers you need to watch out for and tips for how to deal with each one. And now this is the Career Contessa podcast. Well, hi, Dr. Haley. Welcome to the show. Tell us a bit about your background and what exactly a performance psychologist does. (laughs) Nice to see you and be with you. And thanks for having me, Lauren. My background is actually
2: sport psychology. So I got into this field because I only thought I was going to work with athletes. I grew up as an athlete and I found mindset really essential to performance. And so I thought that my career was going to be directed at athletes. But then as I started you know, my education, my higher education, and then started my consulting practice and becoming a professor and a consultant and a public speaker, I very quickly realized that resilience and mental toughness and psychology is not just for athletes. I need it now more as an adult (laughs) in the corporate world, in the big world out there than I ever did as an athlete myself. So that's when I chose to really broaden my horizon and see if I could help all people of all levels of all
1: industries i had a hiring manager tell me once always hire an athlete cuz and probably for that reason cuz like the mental toughness thing that you're talking about which they do talk a lot in sports they mention it often especially if you're good at sports it always comes down to mental toughness so that's not shocking that you would have had that thought process but Yeah. Athletes have nothing on the corporate world. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Okay. So let's talk about what are the short-term and long-term effects of workplace stress building upon us? I mean, you talked about resilience. So what are just some of these like short-term, long-term differences?
2: Short-term stress. I actually think that, you know, I don't even actually think people really understand the consequences until it's long-term. Yeah. So short-term, you kind of feel that energy, you feel the endorphins, you feel the high. If you have a fire drill at work, or if you have a a last minute delivery that you need to do, or you're focusing on something and then someone directs your attention, we're actually pretty good, I think, at keeping up with the short-term stressors. But when we're not recovering enough, and when it now becomes day-to-day, overwhelm, overload, we tend to start to perceive the stress differently we also you know have some level of burnout which is emotional and mental exhaustion to some degree you may not actually have burnout you may just be feeling a little burnt out it's like you may you can feel depressed but not have depression right so it's the same type of thing but the long term if we don't do anything in the short term then that stress which was really just normal stress builds up, builds up, builds up, and then has severe consequences. I mean, taking leaves of absence would, would be, you know, a, a big consequence or a real burnout or dropout.
1: I think of it's a good point that you made about like, most of us don't recognize short-term stress because we think of it as almost like this adrenaline rush or like, you know, you can chop it into, I'm having a really busy week, the weeks where you feel like, I somehow made it, but I have no idea how I got to the other end. It's kind of when I had to commute to work, I remember on like really busy days. Sometimes I would have this thought, like, how did I get to work today? Like, you know, like it's like my mind was moving faster than my body could. So it's interesting that you talk about that. Cause I almost think of that's what we see as like this badge of honor of busyness is short-term stress. Right.
2: Yeah. I think that badge of honor is key. I'm taking one for the team by not yeah. sleeping and by going and going and going, but we actually have to, if I can bring sports into it, athletes do not continuously go, go, go rest and recovery is built into their performance programs yeah, because they know that they need to renew that energy so that they can get back into that stressor as a high performer. Yeah, And we need to change our story as well.
1: Yeah. It's that energy source is not endless. It does have to be replenished. Well, up next, Dr. Haley will share seven work-related anxiety triggers with tips on what we can do to deal with them. Okay. Dr. Haley. So the very first one is fear-based bosses. Can you talk a little bit about obviously right away? People are like, yeah, that's a work-related anxiety trigger, but let's talk (laughs) a little bit more detail about that.
2: Yeah. You know, I think, and again, it's, this is perception. So whether it's right or wrong, that actually doesn't matter. If you're perceiving your boss to be fearful, if you know and that could be for a couple of reasons. Maybe you feel that there's too much pressure on you. Maybe you feel that, or believe that your boss is not approachable. If you have a question or you're doubting something, you, you know, you, you you're afraid of asking for some support, That's when, again, it doesn't matter if it's real or not real. If you're perceiving that, that anxiety can be a huge distraction. So even though you want to get all the deliverables taken care of and you want to do well, that distraction of, oh no, what if I make a mistake? Oh no, what if he or she or they is going to get upset with me? You know, that that can be a huge distraction and a huge energy drainer.
1: Mm -hmm. Do you think the bosses who lead with fear, do you think that's a conscious choice or do you think that's like, I guess if it's, for example, if I'm a boss and I'm listening to this and maybe I've got some idea that I lead with a little bit of fear, people are intimidated by me. There's probably a part of me that kind of likes that, you know, that boss, but recognizing that this is a huge workplace trigger for anxiety for people, which impacts their performance. What do you think makes people like the boss continue to do that? Is just sort of the style they have or they like the power of that? You know, there's a couple of reasons.
2: A, if no one's telling them, you know, and they're just going with what they think is right and no one's telling them, they don't know any different. Mm -hmm. Now, if someone is telling them and they're still not doing anything about it, that's where, you know, I I would want to get involved. But I think a lot of bosses maybe think that it's motivating. Yeah. You know, if I can, can I share a quick story? Yes, of course. It's not in the corporate world. This is my personal story. But when I was 12, so I was young, when I was 12, I had a coach who bet on me to win a race and he told me that he bet. He pulled out a hundred dollar bill, put it in front of my nose and told me that he bet on me to win. And someone, many people would be like, how could a coach do that? That's like, that is a fear leading coach. And it was, and that probably would not work for many athletes, but he and I had such a good relationship and he knew what motivated me, which I think is the key here. Mm -hmm. Leaders have to know, you know, what is going to motivate. And he knew that if he bet on me, I was going to be able to think, well, if he's betting on me, that must mean he believes in me, which means I should believe in myself. Yeah. So I think sometimes bosses think that leading by fear or, you know, high demands and high expectations, maybe they think that they're it's a motivator. And it can be, but you really have to know the person you're working with. And if you're afraid of your boss, oh my goodness, speak up. Yeah. Let them know. And I know that's fearful in and of itself.
1: Is that piece of plastic in your wallet doing enough for you? Because with secured Chime Credit Builder Visa credit card, you can start building credit with everyday purchases on one-time payments. With Credit Builder, members can increase their credit history with no annual fees or interest. And having a good credit score can mean getting a better car loan rate, renting apartments more easily, or just bragging rights around the dinner table. What I love about Chime is that their model doesn't rely on overdraft fees, monthly service fees, or a minimum balance requirement. Chime is a financial technology company founded on the premise that basic banking services should be helpful, easy, and free. Chime partners with regional banks to design member-first financial products. This creates a more competitive market with better, lower-cost options for everyday Americans who aren't being served well by their traditional banks. Everyone deserves financial peace of mind, and Chime is banking that has your back. So continue your credit journey with Chime. Sign up only takes about two minutes and doesn't affect your credit score. Get started at chime.com backslash Contessa. That's chime, C-H-I-M-E dot backslash Contessa. The chime credit builder visa credit card is issued by Stride Bank and a pursuant to a license from Visa USA chime checking account and $200 qualifying direct deposit required to apply for the secured chime credit builder visa credit card. Regular on-time payment history can have a positive impact on your credit score. Impact to score may vary and some user scores may not improve. All right, now let's get back to the show.
2: and the fire on Instagram as well. Can't wait to see you next week.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you said that people make the mistake of remaining in a job for the wrong reasons. And part of that is <laughs> they get in this cycle of being spoken harshly to and maybe turning that into motivation. And it's like a verbal abuse that you just, or an energy drainer that you just sort of be, get used to, right? I do. I think so. You get used to it. And
2: I also think that the more anxiety you feel, the more you focus in on yourself. And sometimes... Well, like, again, re- right or wrong, I don't know because I'm not I don't know who's listening yeah. and I don't know the situation. But sometimes we also have to say, like, why would that boss be putting this much pressure on me or why is that boss speaking to me this way? You know, before I jump the gun and totally quit my job and find a new boss or ask to be trans, uh, you know, transferred, I wanna really look at all those angles. I wanna have a better understanding of all the people involved. Yeah. And then you can actually maybe have some empathy from both sides and communication. But if there isn't any, like if that boss is that boss, yeah, let's change your situation.
1: Yeah. So, your advice on how to deal with them is file a complaint with human resources or, you know, whoever is the quote unquote HR at your company, resign, have the conversations. Cause at the end of the day, your well being matters first and always the most. Yeah.
2: I would think having the conversations goes first.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. So number two in the work related anxiety triggers list is coworker clicks. I have personally experienced this and it really is awful. So can you talk a little bit about why this is a trigger and then how we can deal with them?
2: Yeah. Cause it's this, you know, desire to uh, this, this anxiety of needing to be in the click so that you're not left out of the click, but not wanting to be in the click because yeah. you don't want to have to be immersed in that. I mean, there's so much, drama, is so much necessary, you know, cognitive space that's being taken by that. And then if you're not in it, are they thinking and talking about you? Like, it's just, there's, there's so much unnecessary anxiety that yeah. can come up with that. It's
1: like the actual gossip. And then there's the passive aggressiveness that then you spend hours evaluating and analyzing and trying to decide, okay, you know, was that passive aggressiveness at me? Is it my problem? I mean, it's like high school, but worse, I feel like. And it really does hurt to not be in the click too. (laughs) Like I haven't had someone gossip me or, or sabotage me like that, but I've definitely had it where it was very uncomfortable and I was spending a lot of mental energy thinking about it. If someone's in this situation, how can they deal with it? What should they be doing? So if they're in the situation of being in the click. No, they've got a coworker um, click around them. That's causing around anxiety them. for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's a couple of things, you know, I am a big
2: believer in just showing up, you know, focusing on the people that do provide you positive energy, you know, choosing to be around them. And again, so what I'm basically saying is replacing the anxiety with people and things and thoughts that are going to energize you. hmm So, you know, focus on the people that do serve you in the workplace, focus on your work, and then really focus on the life you have outside. Yeah. And I know that's hard because work is such a big, it takes up so much time. So many hours of our day is focused. But if you know that, like, you've got your family and friends and such a great community outside, it may not be such such an anxiety producer at work, especially if you are choosing for yourself, the people that are going to give you some energy in the workplace.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I would also advise that like, if you're around, like, especially when you're the new person or something like that, if you're around people who start gossiping, just excuse yourself, walk away, make an excuse to say, you got to go to the bathroom or something, get out of the room, just like, don't be present. I've also found that you know, when you hang out with that, you are so much more likely to not like your job and not be engaged. And that, that will impact you in more ways than one. Okay. I want to put number three and four together on the list. So number three was technology glitches and number four was presenting. And the reason why I want to put them together is I feel like you always get the tech glitches when you need to present also. (laughs) So can we talk (laughs) about these as anxiety triggers at work and then what we can do about them?
2: oh my goodness, they are, I know, because they're like last minute and then they completely freak us out,
1: you know, yeah. something doesn't go wrong. Yeah. So I actually,
2: I'm a big believer in like having things prepared. Yeah. like, you almost have like a, a what if list. What if this goes wrong? What if this fails? So, you know, for myself, I had to do my best to have backup plans. I, you remember in the old days when I used to go and present, I would have my presentation on my computer, on a USB key, on a CD, yeah. you know, like just, you know, have my options available to me. If one of the platforms isn't working on my computer, have my phone right there so that I can call in, have people with access to my number that they can call. So you have these contingency plans in place. Yeah. Because often it is not, you know, if something happens, it's when. And so that will be the best expecting something to go wrong. So that when it does, you're like, okay. And then you go on, you know, and how can I own this? And how can I control whatever I can control?
1: Mm -hmm. You had something you mentioned in your notes too, about centering. What is that? So that would be the second thing,
2: or actually maybe it's the first, but we will freak out very quickly, right? Our anxiety will run amok. We'll just jump. So if you can train yourself. And you can actually do this in visualization. You can actually visualize yourself going through this before it actually happens. But just for a moment, stop, put your hand on your belly button, put your hand on your belly button, close your eyes. And when you inhale, you take a deep breath and you feel your belly button expand into your hand. And when you exhale, you feel your belly button contract. That is a deep breathing exercise actually called centering belly breathing, but it's a mindfulness technique of centering because for a moment, I'm just going to direct my thoughts to my hand that is placed on my center and I'm going to engage in some deep breathing. So I'm practicing centering as well as deep breathing. And what that does, it physiologically will calm you down. In a moment when technology is failing or when you're about to go and deliver a presentation and you're You know, you're wondering if you're going to make a mistake, you're going to forget something to deliver. Someone's going to look at you different, ask a question that you don't know the answer to. This is very anxiety producing and your heart rate's going to increase. Your muscle tension is going to increase. So deep breathing and centering will calm that down. It also gives you a mental pattern interrupt. So for a moment, I'm not thinking about the anxiety. I'm literally practicing centering and giving my mind a reset. And then from there, after I do that, okay, now I can follow through on my, what if plan now I can walk into that presentation as confident as I can be.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't matter how articulate you are. You will feel a little shaky before you present. I mean, I probably similar to you. We do lots of presenting and lots of talking and it's always a little like, Oh, I can't wait for this to be over feeling, (laughs) you know, like that is so the breathing technique is really, really good. I like, and I, I like that. It just interrupts your thought pattern of like, the anxiety around having to do this activity. Mm-hmm. Expect it. I. That's a yeah. big one, I think. Just expect it. Expect to Feel nervous.
2: And you're not alone. Like you just admitted it. I admit it. Like we're all in, in this together.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay. So number five on the list is your commute. And I thought this was interesting because you said once you exceed 30 minutes one way, your happiness level drops and your stress level rises. That scares me because I mean, I used to commute when back when we had an office, I would commute at least an hour. So if traffic was really, really bad, or I left at the wrong time, it could be as much as like an hour and 15 minutes. And that was one way. (laughs) So I was clearly impacting my stress level with that. So can we talk about the commute? You need to set
2: your commute needs to be me time. So we need to reframe commute. Because, and I, you know, I know, I know it says 30 minutes. I'll be honest. I don't, I don't know. One size does not fit all. I don't want everyone to get stuck on this 30 minutes. But I do know is that the longer you are sitting in your commute, feeling frustrated or worried or focusing on negatives or just being sad or whatever it might be, the more you sit there, the greater those feelings and emotions, you know, they grow, they grow, they grow. So this commute is really me time. And that may be, you know, and I like the idea. Again, it's almost like having contingency, like have access to music, have access to an audiobook. Obviously, you have access to silence, you have access to a snack. Always keep some type of snack in your commute. So when you get in your car, you can almost assess, okay, what is going to best serve me in these next, you know, 45, an hour, an hour and a half, however long your commute is, what is going to best serve me? And you have access. It's like your toolbox. You have all of these tools that you can pull out to do what you feel is going to better serve you right now. There are some times when I just want silence. Yeah. There are some times that I want to listen to a podcast. There are some sometimes that I just want to sing at the top of my lungs. Sometimes when I'm, you know, I'm hungry. And so like just having a little bit of snack. So you really need to be prepared. It's all preparation anxiety can be controlled with preparation. A lot of the time.
1: I agree with that. I also remember for my commute, I would try to schedule calls during it. And I would always mm-hmm. let the person know I'm commuting during this call. Is that okay with you? And everyone always said it was fine. Every, in fact, most people were like, Oh, I love your multitasking." Like, especially in LA traffic where you're not really driving, you're kind of just sitting in your car. And so that was another thing. I, I think for me, the anxiety was calmed feeling like I was multitasking a little bit. Like I wasn't just sitting here doing nothing. I was able to get something else done too. But to your point, that requires preparation, right? That requires sort of creating these commute times. And I know for people who even work from home, one of the tips I love is creating like a faux commute. I mean, there are people who actually miss their commute because it was their me time. So to your point about anxiety is like a little bit of that control. It's like, there were people who were like, I kind of miss having the commute where I didn't do work. It gave me an hour as an excuse to listen to a podcast that was about celebrities or something silly, you know? So I think that's fantastic. Okay. Number six is business travel, which is interesting because so many of us are maybe having to dip our toes back into business travel. So no shocker that it causes a little anxiety. Let's talk about this one.
2: You know, it's interesting that it's in there because I was just, I've been traveling the last three weeks, every week. And when there is a delay, it's funny, I may actually change my tip because I was noticing that the people who were getting more anxious were actually the less traveled people. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. People who were more like, yeah, this is just how it goes. Yeah. And I think if we get anxiety traveling and business travel, I understand if you're late for a meeting, but then, you know, for me, I don't, I don't book the last flight.
1: Yeah. Yeah
2: you know, I, I just, I take into account delays and I don't book, cause I don't want that extra anxiety, but also we just have to own the fact that things will happen. And so in my observation, I just noticed that people who were more like, they looked like they were on a business trip. Yep. I get it. It was a delay. And they're, you know, as opposed to people who maybe not less traveled, they're getting anxious because yeah. of a delay or because of, you know, whatever, like the connecting
1: flight, happening. everything. Yeah. I also think with business travelers, at least this is how I was before COVID, of course, is like, I was so efficient, you know, like I was able to get through the airport. I knew where I was going. Like there is almost an ease when you're doing something a lot versus when you start going back to it, you're like having to relearn the technique. So, you know, there yeah, are... I think
2: you're right. Be, give ourselves some grace with relearning with relearning those, those techniques. I, I agree. But I do remember this story. I remember talking to an executive consultant, of, or I was their consultant an executive of mine. And this individual is saying how, oh my goodness, COVID is, I want to get back on the plane because those are, and he would travel like overseas. Those are 20 hours that no one has access to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he wants that time back. So again, me time.
1: I think a lot of people, there's definitely a group of people out there that miss business travel because they're like, I just want to sit by myself on an airplane uninterrupted. And it it does feel like too, when you're traveling, there's a couple of times work-wise that are good excuses to not respond to emails and like traveling happens to be one of them. And so, yeah, that's funny. Cause that is sort of this like unspoken rule.
2: <laughs> yeah. I will say this though, because there's still a lot of anxiety and I really believe in the prep. I prep my food, you know, like I prep there's, you just really have to, you really have to think ahead Yeah, and make sure that you have access to things because things do go wrong. Yeah. And, and it, it can, you might be not long get
1: day. internet on the flight that you were expecting to work the whole time for I've had that happen. And then you just have to yeah. sit there for five hours and you're like, I didn't bring any plan B, <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah. To entertain myself. yeah, this is a,
2: I think, you know, when it comes to the stressors at work, all that we've been talking about, I know that we've got one more tip to focus on, but we need to use our past to create our best present and future. So what that means is think about all the stressors that we've experienced. Think about the anxiety that you've had and learn where have you done a really good job coping with them and thriving, embracing them? And then where can you learn from? Because the stressors is really quite similar from day to day. Yeah, yeah.
1: I also am a big fan of people keeping a work journal for that reason. Because I think to your point about the short-term versus long-term, I think if you make it a point to kind of write down the times where you were stressed and how you coped with it, it brings more awareness to it also. So you don't have to get to the burnout place. When people get to that final burnout, like leave of absence, they've gone so extreme. It's always so hard because I'm like, this probably could have been avoided, but we we would have to go back in time. And unfortunately that's not an option. Okay. Number seven on the list is actually pretty big. I think about this one a lot too, which is quotas, commissions. If you're self-employed, just like you know, you, I always joke, like you, you eat what you kill. Like you, you have to, you have this pressure of making money. So this is an obvious trigger, but let's talk more about this. Yeah. So, it. so, and it's, and it's, it's not going away
2: and it won't because it's real. Yeah. And nor should it, because I think it's a powerful driver.
1: Yeah. And the creator economy is becoming more of a thing. So people are leaving their jobs that gave them the steady paycheck. And now replace the word quota and commission for anything else that you want to replace it with. But yeah, that's becoming, I I think that's only growing. Yeah. Yeah, only growing. And so I don't think it's even, I wouldn't even
2: waste energy trying to remove that because it is what it is. Mm -hmm. You and I both have, you know, we have our own goals that we need to achieve. Yeah. But I am not going to be able to achieve it if I just focus on the finish line. I must, must embrace. Technique and tactics. I must embrace. So in addition to having my long-term win, which is the quota, let's just use that, right? In addition to having my long-term win, I must have little wins. And those little wins are 100% within my control. So I can't say that I'm going to make this sale, but I can make this phone call.
1: Yeah. I can't
2: say that I'm going to be able to help this athlete achieve, you know, success or this executive achieve success, but I can say that I'm going to deliver these materials. You know, I'm going to complete these 50 pages. I'm going to send these emails. We have to embrace in the tactics and the strategies and the techniques. And those little wins are 100% within our control. Because the outcome isn't always.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The, a deal's not a deal until it's done. You know what I mean? Like until it's signed. And even then, sometimes I may mean, have had that happen and the disappointment of that, it hurts, you know? And especially being an entrepreneur, anyone who's listening to this, one of my best tips is like have multiple revenue streams. Like don't put all your eggs in one basket. I know it's an overused cliche, but it, it's so true. And like I might not have control over. I don't know how many people buy a certain thing, but I have control over the marketing related to it and the efforts. And, you know, again, replace any of this with your own personal situation. I think too, people are nervous right now. There's inflation, there's uncertainty about what's going to happen with the market. And like, is there going to be a recession? Are people going to lose their jobs again? Like money causes anxiety and I don't know if we'll ever be able to 100% get rid of that. But what could you do if you're worried about that? Maybe it's like, start looking at your expenses. Is there something like I just looked at my expenses the other day and I was paying $40 a month for some vitamin to get come to me. And I was like, you know, I probably don't need like I could probably go to the grocery store and buy this for cheaper. You know, I'm paying for this convenience. I don't have to have like little stuff like that. To your point, that's a small win whether it makes a difference in the total outcome or not, <laughs> probably not like 40 bucks isn't going to make or break it, but anxiety of money isn't going to go away. But what can you have that is maybe just helps you feel a little better or like you're more in control. And sometimes I just going back to that awareness, like I think just awareness can feel like more control, right?
2: 100% anxiety. So anxiety and self-confidence do not go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. They just don't. Now nervousness. Like you said, nervousness. I'm actually okay with nervousness. I'm okay with butterflies in the stomach. I'm okay with feeling challenged. As long as I, in addition, also feel like I have some level of perceived control and
1: confidence.
2: In fact, I, like when we talk about flow state, if you've ever heard of flow state, peak experiences, that is actually stress that's you engaging in some level of stress, but it's feeling a little bit of nervousness from a challenge. perspective. Yeah. Like I
1: got this, I got this, but mm-hmm. not
2: a fear perspective, fear and anxiety and worry and frustration or, and doubt. We want to be able to remove that by replacing with things that are going to challenge us, like you know, challenge us, but we still maintain some level of control. And that is the thing we need to be most aware of the difference between anxiety and, and the
1: challenge. I love what you just said that self-confidence and anxiety don't go hand in hand. So if you recognize that you are an anxious person and maybe your comment just told them that maybe part of this is like I am insecure, I've got this fear. What would you recommend people do? Should they start working with a therapist? Like I guess the question is if you're an anxious person, what do you do next then?
2: I mean, you know, I'm never going to say not work with a yeah. work with with a with a coach or helper or therapist. But just while you're on the call right now, let me just give you two tips that, that I would recommend from a performance psychology perspective. Yeah. So if you're feeling anxiety, which means you've got, again, fear, anger, worry, frustration, overload, doubt. Two things. One is I'm sure something you know, that people have already inevitably thought of and you'd probably do it for yourself. And, and what you coach is break things down. Instead of going for all 10, go for five at a time or go for two at a time. So break things down into manageable chunks, like something that we are all aware of. But then the second option is to actually think about your strengths. And then how can I walk into this stressor highlighting my strengths? So just yesterday, I was on a call with someone who has anxiety about presenting. And I asked her, what are her strengths? And she said, I know the content. She doesn't necessarily trust her communication skills. She doesn't necessarily trust, you know, her eye contact, her body language, but she knows that content. So when she walks into that presentation, I want you to own that content, walk in there highlighting your strengths. Mm-hmm. And that's one way to bring it from
1: anxiety
2: to more of a, you know, nervous challenge.
1: I love that. I think that's great. Well, Dr. Haley, tell everyone where they can learn more about you, follow you, buy your book, all the things.
2: Yeah. The best place is my website. So Dr. Just Dr. Haley H A L E Y is Haley and then P E R L U S. And then obviously in just LinkedIn, really, if they, you want to connect with me on LinkedIn, but my website's the best place you won't find me all over social media. If you want the good stuff, the good stuff is, <laughs> is on my
1: website. <laughs> Amazing. Well, thank you so much for sharing these tips. I think it's, we all have these stressors. Sometimes you get all seven, sometimes you have one for the day, but to your point, you know, preparation is huge and finding small wins for control. I I totally subscribe to that. So thank you so much. Laura, thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Career Contessa podcast. Please remember to rate and review our show. It helps our show so much get found by new listeners, and the algorithm always really likes it when you guys do that. If you want to learn more about Dr. Haley, we'll put all the links to her website in the show notes and everything else. And lastly, I want to remind you guys that we have an online course called The Confidence Crunch, and when you enroll, you get lifetime access to the video tutorials as well as the interactive workbook. We've got a confidence calendar, and essentially, we're going to teach you how to increase your confidence and gain more control it's a really fantastic course it's a bestseller for a reason and we'll make sure to link to the confidence crunch so you can learn more about that in the show notes